Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Really excited about this show today. We're going to be talking about the Catholic Church and aliens. Yeah, we're going to talk about what popes have said about the possibility of extraterrestrial life. We're going to talk about the medieval cardinal who first proposed aliens. And we're going to talk about whether or not there's actually aliens mentioned in the Bible. Greetings, Earthlings. Prepare to be beamed up for another great episode of the Catholic Talk Let's get started. Father Rich, Ryan, good to have you here. Father, great being here with Ryan. you too, Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a really cool episode. Oh, yeah. I've been looking forward to this episode for a long this time. This one is going to be out of this world. Literally. Uh, <laughs> I just want to hear him talk like an alien again. That's yeah, awesome. This the whole time. <laughs> you know, you make aliens seem way less threatening than Hollywood does. <laughs> I, I think they would be nice and cuddly. Yeah. <laughs> of course. I'm, of course course you do. You and, you and aliens would watch E.T. and cry together. Yeah, we would. We would. <laughs> I do not understand my feelings. <laughs> oh my gosh. So we are here in the U Catholic studios and we're so glad that you're joining us again for this Catholic talk show episode on aliens. And we definitely want to be hearing from you in, in our comment sections on all of our social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And most importantly, that you're connecting with us on our website, catholictalkshow.com and listening to us and viewing us on YouTube and all of our platforms. So thank you so much for your support and a way that you could support us even more to get this show into outer space to the furthest ends of the universe is by going to patreon.com forward slash Catholic talk show to give us some of the monetary support that we need to be able to grow this channel and this show. And we want to thank you so much. So where are we jumping off into the far corners of the universe today? <laughs> so we're talking about aliens today. What do you guys think about aliens? Do you guys believers? <laughs> Do I mean, you believe, Ryan? I, I'm like, I'm obviously uh, balanced on this. You know, um, it's fun to wonder mm -hmm. and ponder. Uh, but the reality is, is the universe is so massive mm -hmm. that the chances of, you know, life being on another, just physically speaking, is, is, a, is a reality. Um, whether or not there is, is, you know, obviously only a question that can be answered by encountering them or... Just, you know, something that we'll never encounter, but yet exists. Now, I, I personally, I am, um, I, I would recognize the possibility that just because of the size of the universe, there could be life, but I do not believe there is based on a couple, just on observations and a couple scientific methodologies that I really, that resonate with me. And also just a gut intuition that I just don't, I think that this is a singularly unique um, experience that we as human beings in creation have. For sure. I, 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 no doubt it's unique, but my, my apprehension to be able to state emphatically that no, absolutely not. There is no form of alien life in the farthest corners of, of the universe is because we really haven't even <laughs> dredged up the very depths of our own world yet. Nope. And yeah. I mean, just like last year, what was it? It was, uh, like, a. a 
kind of a sister species of a brontosaurus was found. It's like the largest land animal. And that was just discovered in Africa yeah. this past year. You know, there's so much that we don't know, you know, from Christopher, you know, Christopher Columbus, you know, she, she opening up people's minds that the world is not flat. You Which know, is 500 years ago. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, Columbus didn't think the world was flat. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there was but a greater Columbus, perception. Yeah. There was yeah. a greater perception in the world that yeah. the world was flat. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I don't limit the potency of God's creation and his creative hand. And I'm more of my disposition is more open to explore and developing that fascination to go as far as human consciousness can go and to be able to collect that, analyze that and, and be taught by it. Yeah. So I, I think what you're um, describing is kind of the attitude of the Catholic church officially, that it is officially doesn't have any stance on it, Mm -hmm. but that, Scientifically, the church is always very cautious to not um, definitively rule anything out because the the pursuit of truth is so important Mm -hmm. that to make a definitive statement without having the empirical ability to say something is or isn't is unbecoming, and the church doesn't do that. So I think the church in general is very in line with your thought, Mm -hmm. And, and my thought would just be that based on observation and some scientific methods that it's just not out there and a gut intuition. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I'm not close to the possibility. My, if I was putting money on it, I'd say there isn't, but I wouldn't be surprised if there is. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, even, even if there is like the, the chances of encountering this species or whatever is, is slim to no, like never because you, you know, you, t- the travel time mm-hmm. <laughs> is so bizarre. Like, you know, millions and millions of miles away, billions mm-hmm. of miles away. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the stars mm-hmm. that we're looking at in the sky, light that years. light is thir- 30 years old. Mm-hmm. No, some of them are 50 way, years old. Oh, yeah. I know. I mean, yeah. I'm just like yeah, way 30, longer. Yeah. I'm saying 30 you know, million light years. Yeah, away. Exactly. I mean, you got like Musk and those guys going to Mars, you know, and, and, and you know, that that is even far fetched mm-hmm. in, in this generation or two or three generations beyond us. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, Musk, I think Musk is being very ambitious and by, you know, Elon Musk. Elon, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, which is so exciting. I, I actually follow a lot of this on YouTube yeah, yeah, me too. because I'm, I'm so fascinated and nerds. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really, <laughs> I like I'm it. really excited to see. I what, really like listening to alien stuff on YouTube. <laughs> so when I'm not reading my comic book, I'm just speculating about alien life. Worst show ever. So much fun. And, and it's not so much of a curiosity of like alien life. But things that we haven't explored and right. really accessed yet as as a people and as a society, and it's within our grasp. And I think SpaceX is that is that organization that's really reaching to the stars yeah. and reaching to the furthest planets to see what we can do. And it's ambitious, no doubt. But heck, man, look at the ambition of the technological boom in recent decades and how fast we're developing. And and yep. you know, even with engines and development there, you know, and and the the power that uh, SpaceX has in, in being able to develop some of this, you know, from Tesla to SpaceX. I'm very excited to see the curve of innovation. And yeah, like, like Moore's Law, like technology doubles every year and yeah. it compounds on itself. Mm-hmm. Almost, yeah. mm-hmm. but, well, but what I'm saying is even though it's doing that, the, the chances of inventing a, a, Statistically. a, a spacecraft that can actually go and explore billions of miles away. Oh, we'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't mm-hmm. know. We will. That's, that's Moore's law. That technology does 
necessarily advance on a compounding rate and that, you know, like compounding interest, it builds so fast that it starts catching steam that eventually they'll get there. Now, but we're the Catholic talk show and mm-hmm. we can, you know, you yeah, know nerd out can. about aliens and everything uh, for hours. But what does the church say about aliens? Right. So I think one of the first things that's very interesting to talk about is how the classical world viewed aliens. So, you know, even the the Greeks or the Babylonians, uh, the Egyptians, they all speculated on the possibility of alternate worlds. And a lot of these times these were um, uh, mixed up with um, you know, religious practices or or their pantheon of gods. Uh, for the Greeks, uh, other worlds were more of the concept in line with, um, I guess, alternate universes, uh, not necessarily um, physical realities, but more, look, as their alternate realities. Yep. So that was in the Greeks. Mm-hmm. But if we go into the church, if you go back into the 1400s, there was actually a Catholic cardinal who was one of the first people in in the world to really define and to really explore the possibility that there was life beyond earth. And this was a Catholic cardinal, um, Nicholas of Cusa. Mm-hmm. So he was a um, he was a cardinal in the 1440s, and he was speculating well before Copernicus about the model of the universe and how the world, uh, where the world, uh, the earth fits into God's creation. Was he a scientist? He was, well, of course. So, okay. you know, back then, a lot of the people, uh, the cardinals and the monks, they were the leading scientific figures, and they were the ones who had... Number one, the training and the education to be able to ponder these things, but also the luxury of time to be able to specialize in thinking, right? These were the philosophers. These were the people who were advancing science. So in one of his treatises, he said, "Of, of the inhabitants then of other worlds other than our own now, we can still see that we have no way to appraise them. But life as it exists on earth is the form of men, animal, and plants. But let us suppose in the high form in the solar stellar regions that there is possibly other life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So will we suppose that in every region there are inhabitants differing in nature by rank and all owing their origin to God, who is the center and circumference of all stellar regions? So he was really saying, look, God's fecundity and his creativity, we are, we are in no way able to even understand that. And if God so wishes, there might be infinite life and infinite uh, creation everywhere outside of the observable uh, realm of men. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this mm-hmm. is the 1440s. This is this is not, you know, again, this kind of dispels the idea that the Catholic Church is just a, a lock and a key on scientific advancement, wonder, and, and um, exploratory creativity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And before, you know, St. Ignatius and the development of the Society of Jesus, and how how often that religious community academically really excelled and how many astronomers in the society of Jesus. This is prior to that. It's prior to Copernicus yeah. as well. Yeah. So it's it's really important to see this open disposition is maintained by, by a Catholic cardinal, but it's been maintained throughout, you mm-hmm. know, and I think we're going to get further into oh, that. Absolutely. So he, he goes on to write, mm-hmm. and this is really kind of the meat of it. It may be conjectured that in the area of the sun, there exist solar beings, bright and enlightened denizens, and by nature more spiritual than such that may inhabit the moon, 
who are possibly lunatics, while those on the earth are <laughs> gross and material. Lunatics. Oh, that is some good meat and potatoes. So Luna. He, so he Lunar-tics. was looking at the different forms of creation and saying, is there an equivalent? So mm-hmm. on earth, we are material. We are physical. We're dirt and ash, right? Like the church teaches. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the sun, is it possible? Now, he didn't know the just the uh, the nature of the sun necessarily yet, So, he's, mm-hmm. but he conjectured, is there a... Uh, commensurate being on the sun is there a commensurate being on the moon that takes on the matter of the matter and manner of the place where those things exist mm-hmm. and this is this is really deep conjecture and this That's he's pretty the, cool he's the first kind of um alien he was the first alien conspiracy theorist nerd uh, in the in the middle ages <laughs> yeah i'm sure people you know always pondered that in, in nice. generations you but, know but i mean there's really no recorded uh, right. evidence oh, of that okay. because okay. people were so focused on the earth i mean if you like i said the classical world they thought the the planets were um the, the reason that they're named after gods is because they thought the planets, because they were not fixed in the firmament of the sky, and since they moved, they were gods. Mm-hmm. And it was just the kind of um, the natural evolution of the way that man views the physical world that they did not yet even ponder the ability that there could be inhabitable environments outside of our mm-hmm. own. Well, what about and, the Greek uh, well, that's mythology? What, yeah, I mean, yeah. that, that is... And mainly Roman, because it was what was adopted by the Greeks and then associated with the stars by the Romans. Mm-hmm. Right. But no, that's that's a, a phenomenal point as well. Yeah. So, like, for example, sometimes the Greeks, you would, their, their way of explaining stars was that the... Um, the night sky and the sky was a dome, essentially, and that a star was actually where a great hero punctured through the firmament and left a hole in it that the light of the realm of the gods was now shining through. Mm-hmm. So that's why a lot of the stars would be named after specifically right. um, you know, Greek heroes or mm-hmm. this constellations mm-hmm. would be named after that because this was their them punching through reality into um, Olympus or whatever. That's right? cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's cool, but it's wrong, <laughs> right? But we, don't, we know that's not the case. But the, there is the evidence of an, an alternate universe, right? I mean, of right. Of something. So it's them looking at the physical world and looking to explain why things are and right. why they move and 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 trying to give some sort of context and meaning behind it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And not only alternate universe, but expanding universe. Mm-hmm. There's there is just clear scientific evidence now that the universe is constantly expanding. But and so is the con- too, and, right? But so not is the constant. Yeah. No, it's it's expanding just yeah. by nature. Constantly. Because if it was ex- if it was contracting, then in a in a universe this old, there would already be a maximum entropic value, and the universe would have ceased to exist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something that I want to That's, bring up. And you were talking about Hubble's law. Yeah. Red shifts, blue shifts. Yeah. But something I want to bring up as well is an Old Testament perspective that was in Judaism as it relates to spiritual realities and how there were demonic powers in the heavens as well as good a- angelic powers. Right. And the chaos in the universe and the cosmos were associated with those type of demonic powers that are setting that into motion. And so it, it's interesting, the sense of the heavens and, and where just perception and, and, and just the way that we express ourselves, we're always like heaven, you know, yeah. and, and we're looking up to the stars and, you know, we've had that super, you know, worm moon, yeah. like the late spring equinox and, and just, oh yeah, you were, you were nerding out on that. Yeah. We, 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 we were all, to, we were all together during that super moon and he's just like, 
Hey, bro, you got to look at this moon. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, man, look at the size of this moon. This thing is wow. You can barely watch the road when you're driving. Man. That was, yeah, I was driving. Yeah, I was the road, Padre. Get your head out of the clouds, man. <laughs> literally. Yeah, literally. Yeah. So, but, no, I'm but glad we look, we look up, though, and, and that association to the heavens is something that's rooted in Judaism as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm glad you brought up the Old Testament because here's one of the things that a lot of uh, alien conspiracy theorists will will point to, mm-hmm. and that is some of the passages in the Old Testament that describe the encounter of men and God. Yeah, you think of like Elijah, Enoch, Ezekiel, Ezekiel. So, yeah. So I actually got this one. And Ezekiel, I mean, there's been books, a lot of books written about this uh, sci-fi, where they like Chariot of the Gods and other things where they're conjecturing. No, this was not a a, a, a static religious vision. This was actually a. Uh, you know, a Bronze Age person trying to describe aliens. Now, mm-hmm. I don't believe that at all, <laughs> but you can see. So you can see where they get they come up with this. So in Ezekiel 1, said, As I watched, a great storm wind came from the north, a large cloud with flashing fire, a bright glow all around it, and something like polished metal gleamed at the center of the fire. From within it, figures in the likeness of four living creatures appeared. This is what they looked like. They were in human form, but each had four faces and four wings, and their legs were straight, and the sole of their feet like the hooves of a bull, gleaming like polished brass. Mm. So you can see where these conspir- mm-hmm. conspiracy theorists say. They like, could draw from that exegetically yeah. and be able to. Yeah, yeah, they're saying, look, okay, he's trying to describe things mm-hmm. in the likeness of what he could find in parallel on Earth with these animals, but maybe what he's describing is, a uh, you know an exosuit or something that allows an alien life to come out of this craft that came wheels within wheels and gleaming like metal out of a cloud of fire. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I know that that is not the case, and this is a vision of God and the angelic host. But mm-hmm. that's one of the things that a lot of conspiracy theorists point to, and you'll see this where um, they do this again with, uh, for example, um, a lot of conspiracy theorists will claim that Elijah, who was uh, taking up the heaven mm-hmm. was actually the, the victim of an alien abduction. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and so in Second Kings 2.11, uh. it says, as they walked and they were still conversing, a fiery chariot and fiery horses came between the two of them and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. So it was like, <laughs> so these, so these are some of the passages in the Bible that they point to as examples of, I don't know, early bronze age humans trying to um, understand not a spiritual reality, but a uh, extraterrestrial reality. Mm-hmm. And then this mm-hmm. is, again, is just absolute mad conjecture. Mm-hmm. But I think it's funny just to point it out, the, the depths that people will go. Number one, when they're so emphatically um, aligned with believing that there's aliens, that they will look to dispel and find examples of, you know, aliens, you know, crazy dude with the hair on, on the History Channel, that everything is because of aliens. He does have some crazy hair, George Tickus loves a blockless. Do you know, have you seen that uh, guy before? Delicate? He's just like, look, look, man, I don't know what it is, but I can tell you why it happened. Aliens. <laughs> is he like a funny guy or something? He's a he's a he's, he's a whack job. He's, yeah, but he's it's, he's, he's wildly so entertaining. entertaining. He really okay. is. Wildly entertaining. Yeah, I mean, if there's, I barely watch TV, <laughs> but if I'm flipping through the channels and I see him, I'm like, I'm gonna watch this because this is just like watching, this is like watching a, a car crash at a clown race. I mean, it's just that awesome. <laughs> so, 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 so that's some of the conjecture. Mm-hmm. But what is the Catholic Church actually? Mm-hmm. What have they said about um, extraterrestrial life? 
they, they're not a lot because they don't have anything to comment on. So they, it would be in, imprudent for them to comment on it. But um, a, f- a few years ago, do you remember this? Where Pope Francis actually was mm-hmm. asked about aliens and what mm-hmm. he said. Do, do you remember? That I do recall. I, that. I don't remember. Yeah, that. I do recall no. that. Uh-uh. So he said, "This is Pope Francis talking about aliens," which I think is pretty cool and a very pragmatic approach for a. For an old Jesuit from South America, he's like, look, man, if there's aliens, I'm going to take care of them, right? Mm. So he's like, if tomorrow an expedition of Martians came to us and said, I want to be baptized, what would happen? He's like, Mm -hmm. Martians? Green with long noses and big ears like in children's drawings. When the Lord shows us the way, who are we to say, no, Lord, it is not prudent? No, let us do it this way. Who are we to close doors? Mm -hmm. He's like, if an alien wanted to be baptized, I would baptize him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because an intelligent species would recognize right. the need for a savior, mm-hmm. especially in a fallen universe, a fallen cosmos, a cosmological system and, and world to realize that that redemptive nature of Christ is, is such an important reality and, and in the God universe. And create an intelligent species mm-hmm. and give them a mind and a will similar mm-hmm. to, to us mm-hmm. and not want a relationship, not want to passionately pursue them as the creator mm-hmm. who yeah. loves their creation. And, and Pope mm-hmm. Francis kind of took the same angle that you did. He's like, when, you know, continuing, he's like, honestly, I wouldn't know how to answer. He said, until America was discovered, we didn't think it existed. And instead it actually existed. But in every case, I think that we should stick to what scientists tell us, still aware that the creator is infinitely greater than our knowledge. Amen to that. Right. That's, I, that Absolutely. is a very appropriate way for a person who both understands religion and science to approach the matter. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a reasonable approach. Yeah, it, it, is. There it is. It is. Yeah. I was just thinking about the, there was a study um, done by a Jesuit guy back in, in the 1800s. There were some Aborigine tribes in Australia that literally had no contact with the outside world. And so um, this priest went and lived with them and studied their culture um, and through communication, the, the Aborigines, their belief in God was, was that he sent his son. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, like, so you have this communication going on, the creation intuits, intuits the divine that, plan. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, mm-hmm. which is fascinating to me. Right. I, I wish I, I was looking for the, the name of that book, but it was, it was in the seminary. It was a very exhaustive book, right? It was very exhaustive in terms of what it covered, mm-hmm. but that, that reality really spoke to me, oh, like yeah. how God can, can reach people mm-hmm. just through, you know, the creation mm-hmm. and, and through his desire to, to love. Mm-hmm. Existentially, God communes with us in natural law and how he is written in our hearts, right. you know, existentially, this communication so mm-hmm. it's it's not surprising that people would come to this revelation based on the nature of their imago dei that they're made in that image and yeah. likeness of God, so that they could perceive this reality. I, yeah. I love that story. I love whenever you share share yeah. that share yeah. about that. It's fascinating. It is. So, did you guys know that the Vatican actually has hosted multiple conferences? Studying, the, I thought you were going to say, "Did you know that the Vatican hosted multiple alien species and Martians?" <laughs> we're going to get to that later. We are, I promise, I promise. <laughs> no, but they've they've hosted multiple conferences, bringing in scientists and astronomers and uh, uh, biologists and to to study this question. Now that these are because the, the Vatican hosts all kinds of scientific councils and and, and meetings, um, but the Vatican also has its own observatory. They have one 
um, in Castel Gandolfo, mm-hmm. and they also have one in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And what? Uh, absolutely. That's cool. Vatican I didn't is, know Arizona. I yeah. did know Castel Gandolfo. I've actually seen that one. Yeah. Wow. I've not. Oh, that'd be so great. How, That's where, cool. where do they stack up in terms of uh, they the are, technology? Are they? Uh, they're very. Advanced? They're very advanced. They yeah. are right at the same um, cusp of you know any of the okay. you know okay. government. any of these other initiatives yeah. by governments or nations. So one of them, and this is one of my favorite dudes in the entire church. Mm. This guy is an absolute rock star of a priest, of a person, of a scientist. Is. Guy Consul Magno, mm-hmm. um, Jesuit, right? Um, guy plays guitar. He's a scientist. He was a missionary in, in Africa. I mean, this guy is awesome. You read about this guy. But uh, he was one of the chief astronomers of the Vatican Observatory. And he said that he would absolutely baptize aliens. He said any entity, no matter how many tentacles it has, has a soul. Mm-hmm. And that's very, I think... Any entity. Yes. Mm. No matter how many tentacles, it has a soul. Now, you know I what think, that reminds well, me of? I mean, that's very Aristotelian. What kind of entity yeah. is he talking about? Because, you know, plants don't have souls. Well, they, but they have in the Aristotelian <coughs> view... Animation. Animation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's where he was going with that. Yeah. yeah. But they might even... He's also saying, I think, without so many words, if they have rational souls... They right. deserve a baptism. That's that's the distinction that's between the distinction. rational soul or or the animation like related to an yeah yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> Not that again. <laughs> no, it, it reminds me of uh, somebody just brought this up. Big shout out to Sean Donovan um, who shared this with me, but he said that there was studies done on the octopus and looking at its DNA and how how absolutely different it is from anything else in the world. And that that is the first species foreign to this world that somehow got here, They're like here. on an asteroid or whatever, and that developed life. So th- there's there's conjecture about that, and and it, they base it on the studies on the on the DNA, DNA. strand. Wow, so, he was just sharing that. I want to read up on that. Yeah, it's really fascinating. fascinating. Yeah. Octopi are pretty yeah. interesting creatures. Dude, they're very I, smart. I, they're very very smart, and then. I watched a video. The aliens are among us. There the was a little are among us. <laughs> <laughs> Look out for those octopus. <laughs> the octopi. <laughs> so I saw a video of a fisherman who caught a, you know, a big catch and pulled it into the boat and they were fishing there and then there was an octopus. And there was a little hole in the boat. I've seen this. And this thing worked its way out of that tiny hole. It was a huge octopus. It was one of the most fascinating things I've ever seen in my life. That's the same thing you do during the Inquisition. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. So, but now, uh, Guy Consul Magno, he said that he thinks that the whole question of aliens, even though he is an astronomer and he studies this, he said it's basically not a practical question. So he said the odds of us finding intelligent life and then on top of it, being able to communicate it, communicate with it, then plus the scale of the universe, plus the scale of technology, when you add them all up, it's not even a practical question to address right now. That's mm-hmm. what I was saying at mm-hmm. the beginning. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's just n- nearly impossible right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you seen the movie Arrival? Recent mm-hmm. movie. I think it was like 2018 or 2017. I have not. No. Distribution was done by Amazon, I think. Okay. So it's on Amazon Prime. Um, but it's a fascinating movie. Highly recommend it. But it's an intelligent species, and and the alien species is far more technologically advanced. Yeah, 
And uh, it's I, I don't want to give away too much and, and be you know make this like Spoilers. a spoiler yeah a spoiler for you. So I, I definitely think it would be a worthwhile watch for you. Yeah. And there's an interesting thing because they almost look like octopi <laughs> in the movie. So I think getting into that kind of could we even find them right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was there's a very very uh, important scientist Enrico Fermi. Have you mm-hmm. ever heard of him? He thought he was a Nobel winning. Uh, uh, scientist for for physics. He studied radioactivity, quantum theory, particle physics. He was just a very important figure. Right? What, year, what year was he? 1930s. He worked, I think he even worked recent. on the Manhattan Project. Oh, wow. Right. So, I mean, this is an absolute, just amazingly brilliant scientist. Now, he came up with a formula to say, are there aliens based on almost, I would say, statistical probabilities. So, uh, and this was um, somewhere in 1932, I think. He said, there is billions or trillions of galaxies, and each one of those galaxies have trillions of suns, and there are billions, th- just the scale of the universe. Um, there's a high probability that some of these have Earth-like planets, and we've already discovered a there's lot a, of oh, there's a bunch extra of uh, um, solar planets, whether they're in, in, in inhabitable zones and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We're that's not what they're exactly, still exploring. Exactly. But going back to what the Cardinal was saying is like, that's inhabiting as far as we know. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, so there can be intelligent species inhabiting something that's not required for this species. Yeah, it might not be in a carbon-based, right. you know, mm-hmm. oxygen necessary, whatever. Right. Um, and then if they, if there is that amount of galaxies and that amount of stars, and then a percentage of them will have planets, a percentage of them will be in a habitable zone. And because of that, a percentage of them will develop some sort of, uh, animation, divisible cellular life. And because of that, some of them will follow, um, evolution and create intelligent life. So even then factoring in like that, that Moore's law of technology, based on the scale and the mathematical probabilities of all these things, there would be theoretically, according to this very kind of sound statistical analysis, there would be trillions of examples where intelligent life compounded by Moore's law of technology would have created the opportunity where these intelligent beings would have been able to explore the universe and make contact. Hmm. But... They haven't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're the species that makes contact with them. <laughs> so, but but then uh, that it takes that into account that right. the age of the universe, based on redshift and blue shift, which uh, Hubble's law, which was again one of the things um, that uh, the the proposer of the Big Bang, um, a Catholic priest, uh, Lemaitre, um, helped confirm. Based on all these statistical analysis, he's like. I don't think there's aliens out there because mm-hmm. all of these factors compounding together would say that there's millions. And since they're not there, then it would show that, look, the fine tuning of the universe really just isn't there and mm-hmm. they're not out there. So that's Fermi's paradox. Basically, where is everyone? Mm-hmm. Because like according a, to math, they should be there and they're not. Mm-hmm. That's a deduction of. Yeah. But it's based on sound statistical probabilities and mathematics that. Is beyond us guys, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not there. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a logical conclusion to to that you know that kind of element of of discussion. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, 
you know, going back to why would we limit the power of God who sent his only son into the world to actively redeem us and send out and commission the apostolic church to all nations, ultimately creating this sense of equality and, and living equitably and receiving this greater call to communion so that what has been divided, what has been, you know, in, in differentiated um, in our own national borders and all of that, why would we limit God who did this wonderful work? And we, we in, a, in an episode, talk about 4th of July, you know, and, and, you know, that sense of who we are as America is many nations coming together to live as one that a lot of the foundation of, of our, our country was based on faith in Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and, and how this is possible to enter into each other's lives and have communion. Why would we limit God's power to just this world and that activity in other places as well? Yeah. And I don't think this, 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 um, paradox mm-hmm. limits God's creativity. I think it's actually completely agnostic or removes in their mind, God's, um, God's power from the creation. Now, for me, it was a Catholic, mm-hmm. but this was not based on any sort of theological propositions. This was strictly mathematics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, another one uh, that has some really great stuff, and I know you're a fan, is uh, Father Spitzer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's he awesome. does, he did, look this up. I love Father Spitzer. Um, cosmic fine tuning and the statistical probability that life would arise every, anywhere. That it, when you take into account, um, you know, gravity, matter, dark matter, the, you know, the forces of nature, um, the balance between, you know, what happened immediately after the Big Bang. He said that the chances of it all coming together in a perfect confluence that the universe even exists, let alone exists in a manner where everything is perfectly balanced to where Earth itself is able to contain life is so statistically improbable that it points to the truth that the reality that God is real. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's a, a lot of uh, studies in, in, in proving that uh, creation is, was an intelligent creation. A lot of them are some of the, as you're, you're talking about the expansion of the universe mm-hmm. and how it could cease to exist. There's coefficients for thermodynamics, electromagnetism. Like there are coefficients mm-hmm. that literally have thousands of decimals mm-hmm. in them. Right. And if that gets thrown off one, that the whole is, model, the explodes. whole, mm-hmm. the whole universe would just like cease mm-hmm. to, to exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So from this point of view, um, a lot of people, you know, in this mind would say that the universe is so big and it's unimaginably big, but because of God's creative design, that was the way that he chose it to be necessary that all of this creation was number one, his will and beautiful, but it all leads to this perfect, um, improbable balance for the singular home that we have to be able to, because I mean, our planet and its rotation and the seasons and the ability to where we live, the size of our sun are all influenced by galaxies and, and solar systems and um, forces well beyond even the Milky Way, right? You know, we're in a, we're in a super cluster of galaxies and that galaxy is in that super cluster is influenced by other super clusters. And it could just all be that all these things work in a perfect confluence to make here work. So that's the alternate view of why is the universe so big if no one's out there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. 
I'm not a scientist. I'm a doctor, Jim. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. But that, but that type of exploration into the beyond is is so rooted within the human species, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 talking about our desire and their, our conquest to explore the depths of of heart and soul and and even the depths of the universe or the depths of the sea. I think of you know like the the conquest to the west, you know, and and going to you know the mm-hmm. all these different immigrants coming to America and being fascinated by, you know, the Westerns and, uh, you know, like these, we- these Western stories and the cowboy and the gold rush and all this other stuff that, that intrigues people to, to risk so much, risk their own Everything. lives to go, to go to it. Oh yeah. That's Human beings have this, this need to explore. Oh yes. Yeah. And yeah. so I think all of the development in sci-fi, all of the development in, you know, all of these movies that are coming out, you know, frequently, um, you know, about that, as well as what Elon Musk is doing is creating this new buzz for a new conquest that is associated with Mars and, yeah. and figuring out ways that we could colonize Mars. And, and, you and know, that's why we attach to it. Yeah, you know, for, that's why oh, for we sure. like it. Oh, we for sure. Out on it like there was a there was a show they, they did a pilot. It was called Oasis. And it was the, the first, you know, voyage to, um, you know, the interstellar voyage. And they were in need of a chaplain. And it was like this oh, ecumenical, there was this ecumenical chaplain that, you know, like he, he joined them and he was ministering to the people, but it was only one episode and they were seeing how much, you know, buzz it would create and how many, how many people were interested. So then they would fund it. That's how Amazon's model is. And and it was just so disappointing because now the pilot's not even available on Amazon Prime anymore. But it got a lot of intrigue and a lot of, uh, you know, but I, I always kind of relate that to myself. Like, man, that would be awesome to be the priest chaplain. Father Rich. For, you Bishop know, of the space. Going, going, yeah. into, going into outer space like that. I don't know, man. You, you have certain earthly needs. Yeah, you, know, you put like, this guy in space for a few months. This, bed, this bed's not comfortable. <laughs> I don't like I need to get out of nature. <laughs> I don't like floating anymore. This is dumb. This freeze-dried food is terrible. That would be horrible, I need some real Italian food. It's like, you know, you're you're shooting up in outer space, and you're like, oh, crap. Looking back at it, you're like, oh, man, what what did I get myself into? (laughs) I made a huge mistake. (laughs) So, no, I think your kind of view is more in line. So I'm kind of in in the Guy Council Magno camp. Mm -hmm. But I think his successor as director of the Vatican, Father Jesuit, again, Jose Funes, is really more in line with what you're saying. And he said that, you know, if we find alien life, we should consider them an extraterrestrial brother in God's creation. Mm -hmm. And that the possibility of extraterrestrial life is not in conflict with faith because we cannot place limits on the creative freedom of God. And we can. Mm -hmm. And he said, who... We who belong to the human race could really be the lost sheep, the sinners who need a pastor. And God came to Jesus in order to save us so that if there is other intelligence beings, it's not a given that they need redemption. They might have actually never fallen. Mm -hmm. So it still keeps into account um, that they have souls, but... And it still keeps into account the one and singular incarnation and the only historical actual... um, sacrifice of our Mm -hmm. Lord for the sins of all creation Mm -hmm. without the possibility of saying that, um, you know, it's unique to human beings and there could be alien life. Do angels, do angels need redemption? No. So, I mean, if, if that's the case, I I really find that a fascinating comment, commentary. He's another, a brilliant, brilliant man. Excellent commentary. And then you think even like the, the reality of, you know, 
God coming to us through the incarnation and becoming one of us, that miracle, Mm -hmm. the passion that he had, having everything in perfect unity, and then, you know, becoming a a child, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and and counting on creation to raise him, Mm -hmm. Mary and, and Joseph. And you look at that and you're like, okay, well, you know, that that's this, this experience with this species, you know, what is it in another realm? Mm -hmm. If the species is like us, great. But if it's a different species, if it's an octopi, whatever (laughs) it is, right. It's like the intelligent octopi. Yeah. It's like, where's that communication going? So Mm -hmm. it's just fascinating when you just ponder that. Mm -hmm. But it could also be that they are in need of salvation, but there still maintains the one singular uh, incarnation. But when, when uh, Christ had his earthly ministry in Judea of the Roman province, they couldn't understand the concept that there was the new world. Mm-hmm. And, and the apostles couldn't even imagine that there's this whole huge continent in the West of full of people who, again, yeah. this very uniquely, I came to the, you know, to the Jewish people in this time and place. They couldn't have imagined at the time that there'd be missionaries in Korea and missionaries in Peru right. and missionaries, um, you know, in Russia. This was so foreign to their their purview of where they were. And I think, again, that's something that we can say, look, maybe, again, we're just, this is just expanding the scope of the missionary Great Commission call of the church. Mm-hmm. And maybe these other planets do need some, uh, maybe these aliens need Jesus, Padre. <laughs> and I, I think the word of the day, guys, is expansion. You know, expanding universe, expanding consciousness that we're expanding our purview on what is out there because we are not omniscient. So we're constantly receptive to what is new and before us. And there is no greater action of making things new than what Christ has done. Mm -hmm. As he says to his mother, behold, I make all things new. And we anticipate this new heavens, this new earth that, that after the second judgment, we will experience in a resurrected body. What does that do? You know, what, 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 what does that resurrected body do? Well, we have that episode on, on, uh, Jesus's resurrection mm-hmm. and, and what he did for 40 days after Easter. But you know, that, that's so fascinating to me and to realize that before us is a relationship with Jesus that can only expand our greater openness to the creative hand of God. Yeah. I mean, you could take John 10, 16 and expand mm-hmm. that, that the scope of what he was saying. Uh, our Lord said, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. Yeah, what does These that also mean? I must lead and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there he was talking about the missionary, um, you know, nature of the church. So, so, well, go evangelize the Romans or the Scythians or the Persians or the Medians, right? But it's just as well that he could have said, you know, evangelize the Alpha Centauri's and the Martians mm-hmm. and, you know, whomever. Mm-hmm. Jesus saw light and saw realities differently than we do yep. because his intellect was not affected by sin. And St. Thomas Aquinas explains very clearly that intellect is darkened by sin. And what that means is that we are not able to perceive and then understand and know something when we have an, a darkened intellect. Yep. Jesus did not have a spot of darkness on his intellect and therefore saw light in a different manner and saw the universe in a different manner. And though he was human like us, he developed and he learned obedience through what he suffered in relationship to what is said in the scriptures. So there was an aspect of his growth and his learning. But I picture him on top of those receding mountains 
mountaintop experiences when he retreated to pray, you know, when he was looking up into the heavens, when he's looking up into the, you know, to the stars and to, you know, the super moons of his, of his life, you know, I, I just can't help but imagine how he looked at that and what he himself Mm -hmm. realized in his humanity and how we need to ascend ourselves to that intellectual form of openness and encounter. Awesome. Oh. So I want to do one more thing before we, you know, get being bumped into the ship, right? <laughs> <laughs> so does the Vatican secretly have knowledge that aliens exist? In the Vatican Secret Archives. In the Vatican Secret Archives. Check it out. We did an episode on the Vatican Secret Archives. Where we touched on this a little bit. Go go look that episode up. It's in the playlist below if you're on YouTube or in your... Um, uh, but shh, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> it's a Is, was that like a news story or something? So, okay. Here's what happened. In the uh, last presidential election, um, if you all remember, um, Hillary Clinton's much maligned email server got hacked and it was released through WikiLeaks. Okay. And a lot of these emails were from her campaign director, uh, John Podesta, who was also served under President Obama. And one of these emails pouring through, most of this was about politics and, you know, boring stuff. And there's a couple this or that. I I don't care. Number one, one, I almost feel bad that for reading someone else's email because that kind of is um, unethical for Mm -hmm. me against their will. Mm -hmm. But this story is too good to where, Father, you can give me a... Confession later. <laughs> All right. So one of the emails to John Podesta was from Edgar Mitchell. Now, Edgar Mitchell was on the Apollo 14 um, project, and he was actually the sixth, I think, the sixth man to ever walk on the moon. He's a NASA astronaut. And one of his emails to John Podesta was saying, uh, let's see, I'm going to get the exact quote. Um, basically, he was saying, I have evidence that the Vatican has evidence that aliens exist and we need to get, we need to talk about this immediately because they're working on. So he's t- it was in the context. I, think I remember when that came out, yep. like there was a, a news story on that. And I, 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 if I recall correctly, I think the guy's kind of, kind of an elderly man and, you know, that was just kind of this random email. And well, see, this was the email was in the context of a space treaty because, you know, there's satellites and governmental considerations. This treaty between Russia, China, and the United States to set up a treaty for the, the use of space. And, and this astronaut is a little bit of a crackpot, but he said specifically, it is urgent that we agree on a date and time to meet to, to discuss disclosure and zero point energy, which is what he says aliens are trying to give us. Another, another it, indication that his screws are loose. Yeah. Wow. And we need to bring you up to date on the Vatican's awareness of ETI. <laughs> so is the Vatican secretly hiding aliens according to the sixth man to walk on the moon? Yeah. That's fun to talk about, but definitely not. Yeah. No, yeah, nothing, that's, that's nothing, something, to, nothing to worry about. That's something that or I'll see it? on, on homeboys, uh, you know, channel there for the discovery channel. <laughs> yeah. He probably forwards a lot of emails too, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of those guys. He's one of those, He's one of those, those guys. Dude, it must suck being friends with him on Facebook. That has got to be so weird. <laughs> he like, types oh, in all caps <laughs> on the cop boxes. Edgar Mitchell again. Block. <laughs> Muted. Wow. Reported. Wow. Unfollowed. Yeah. Yeah. There's so uh, much conspiracy out there yeah. and so many people that, that just throw they get some, preoccupied. Yeah. And, and I think it's bad. Yeah. It's bad for the soul, man. It's mm-hmm. like, the, 
it, it drives, it's almost like the inverted uh, sense of wonder, mm-hmm. the inverted sense of, of rightly, properly looking at something that is expan- ex- expansion mm-hmm. and turning it on its head and, and mm-hmm. becoming distracted from mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. you know, to where you're, you become ill from That's it. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. So before we get beamed up to the mothership and we bounce out of the Ethics studios here... <laughs> You're so good at that. You look if the precinct doesn't work out, you've definitely got the uh, future of a voiceover artist for Alien and uh, movies. You're, you're I would great love at it. to yeah. do that, man. or even you know, even that could be your side gig. Right? All right, but it is time for a special outer space extraterrestrial version Ooh. of the Inquisition. Love it. Shing. All right. So, Father Rich, space cowboy and space priest. <laughs> You are on an Yeehaw! Let's get on a SpaceX shuttle to out of space. All right. So humanity has identified a planet um, within the reach of our technology in okay. this hypothetical question yes. that we know to have intelligent extraterrestrial life. Mm-hmm. And you are serving as the chaplain mm-hmm. on this ship, okay, for the people on it. But then when you get there, you got to earn your keep. Okay. Would you actively try to convert the extraterrestrial extraterrestrial life? And what does your RCIA program for an alien look like? <laughs> well, I would lean well, on actually RCIA ET. Oh, I like look. that. Ooh, <laughs> trademark that. Trademark tra- TM. Lawyers, get on that. <laughs> that's that's actually a very good idea. Um, so I would lean on the RCIA program. A process that one we've always employed from the Basilica of St. John and Laterano, the St. John Lateran uh, efforts of RCIA. So I would lean on that. But then ev- evangelically, I would lean on the Jesuits. Okay. And the way that the Jesuits encountered native spirituality, the way they encountered, you know, the spirituality of the East and the way that they interacted with people, it wasn't like a a proselytizing in the sense of, you know, we are taking control of, of everything that you do, but recognizing the practices that are in congruence with the revealed revelation of Jesus Christ. So I would definitely relate and commune with the extraterrestrials of that particular space that are intelligent. And I would first study their culture, study and know them before I even begin to adopt different things mm-hmm. of their culture that would mesh with revealed Christianity. And then to be able to isolate, if they're in their culture and in their society, um, isolate those areas that stray from the gospel teachings of Jesus Christ and present his teachings in a different way. So it's the, it's the way that a pastor goes into a new parish. It's, yeah. it's the un, unwritten rule. It's like you don't do anything for six months. But what's the reason for that? Because in anything, like you need to get to know the people you're serving. You need to study where they are and to appreciate and celebrate all that they've done for, you know, decades. And then you start to share your vision and then there's a, there's a merger that happens. So in, in the same manner, evangelically, I would treat an intelligent species uh, of aliens in the same way. All right. So I have a corollary to this. Okay. This, is, this is a second inquisition. Cause I think did you, I, did I, did yeah, no, that was good. Okay. I think, I think you uh, <laughs> snuck your way to the bottom of the boat there. All right. Now. This is presuming that we find a planet. Now, the day on the day length on Earth is set. 
But the day length of other planets and their rotational around their given sun is completely different. A year for one or uh, rotation of a planet, you know, some planets take hundreds of years to get around the planet, around the sun. Uh, Venus, for example, it rotates once every 116 and a half days. days yeah. mm-hmm. So if you were on Mars and you're doing your RCIA ET, are you only allowed to celebrate mass twice every 116 Earth days? How does the liturgical calendar translate into different varying planetational rotational times and um, orbits? Well, we would have to really explore the constellations from that perspective of where we are. And then relate that as How well. How you pray the liturgy of the hours, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we would have to create a whole another. Well, we would have to we would have to generate a whole another orarium, you yeah. know, and and liturgical calendar. So are we going to have to have a rite for each planet? That's oh, absolutely. So I mean, if Venus only goes turns once every 116 days, I mean, do you <laughs> only have Christmas once every like 500 years? If we could hop into a, a liturgy with the Chaldeans and and you know some of the Marians and and all of these different rites, I think we could, uh, you know, expand. No, I think I've got you zapped on this one. No, dude. you are You bust. You got no answer for this. <laughs> I, I, I would You I passed would say, the first one, but you are, you are yeah, alien you got, toast you got here. your butt kicked. I'm going to jump in here, though, but uh, you're still a human being. Right? Thank you. I'm, and, I'm still. And, and you're still, you still need rest on a 24-hour cycle, sure, right. right? So sure. disregarding the... the That's your the circadian inter- rhythm. Right. So mm-hmm. there might be a rhythm there. So, yeah. no, but, but even... Th- it's already been proven that our anatomy, our spirituality, our intelligence adopts to an environment mm-hmm. and our That's bodies right. also adopt mm-hmm. to an environment. So it may not necessarily require, once we go through that adoption process, that same type of what we experience now. So there's there's change. You're morphing yeah. into, into meeting a new environment. That's one of the greatest things about our, our humanity and our species is that we do adapt. You know, I, I've got you I've got you alien probed on this one. Yeah. Yeah, you you are you are dead to rights on on the liturgical uh, schedule of an alien planet with its uh, particular rotation. Something to ponder. So you're, you're betting 500, and that's going to get you into the Hall of Fame in any sport. So good job, Father. Good job. Good job. All right. Why don't you, why don't you take us home? Where's home? Home, home is ending this episode. Home, home on Mars. Where take me home, the Padre. aliens. <laughs> Where the aliens, the priests do. I don't know what they do yet. Because it's liturgical thing. Dance. dance. No, da- no dance. liturgical dance. No. Liturgical dance. Well, look, if that is part of their culture, aliens have specific dances. I mean, I think you're that would cool be appropriate. I'm yeah. okay with that. You're cool with that. Just don't bring your... I just don't want white women in slippers in, you know, adopting this and bringing it into my church. Oh, my god. That gosh. is proper for them and not for us. Be cool. I, no, I, no alien liturgical dance. It's heresy. Where's my heresy button? There, I did see a liturgy where someone was dressed up like an alien in the 60s or 70s I found online where they were dancing around like an alien with an alien head. Wow. I look at Cocaine your face. is a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> so my friends, we thank you so much for joining the Catholic Talk Show. This is a wonderful family that we have here and the union that we experience and being to connect digitally through the interests of webs is a pretty awesome thing. So continue to subscribe and share the show and we wish you a very, very beautiful time reflecting on the far and the beyond and opening yourself to God's creative hand that we are still coming into encounter with. All right. See you next time, guys. Peace. Ciao.